Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. One of the unique things about the Scripture is the place that women have within the Word of God. It was so frequent going back 2,000 years or before that women were viewed generally in society as less than men. But when we look at Scripture, we find that is not the case. In fact, God has used women in a mighty way throughout the pages of the Bible. And we know that when God created man, it says that he created man male and female. This shows equality, but there are different roles. We're going to be looking at a very important passage from the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to see that two women are mentioned. And that should cause us to remember something. When we go to the book of Exodus, we see that God was silent, that people were crying out because of the hard labor that they were suffering, because of the Egyptians, because the Egyptians recognized that there was something unique about the Hebrews, that they were growing and becoming stronger and stronger. And instead of seeing the providence of God upon the Hebrews, what did they want to do? They wanted to enslave the Hebrews, mistreat them in order that they would not flourish, that God's purposes would not be made through them. And what happened? This rejection of God's order, his purpose, his plan brought about the destruction of Egypt. And what happened? God, who is sovereign, he brought his people out of Egypt. But here's the important point. God was silent. He did not respond to the cries of the people, the Jewish people, until two women, those two Hebrew midwives, when they feared God, obeyed God, and did not submit to the command of Pharaoh. That's what faith is. And that act by these two women of faithfulness captured God's attention, and the scripture says, he remembered his covenant that he had made. And God began to once again renew his relationship with Israel through that Passover service, through calling Moses and bringing about that change. What change? Redemption. And this is why I so frequently say that when women take the forefront of a passage, it changes the context of that passage to speak of redemption. And that's what we've seen early on in the book of Luke. And we're going to continue this emphasis on women, and in this case, two women, in the passage that we're going to look at at this time. So with that said, take out your Bible and look with me to the Gospel of Luke, where we left off last week 
We're now ready for verse 39. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 39. Now, hopefully you'll remember that that angel, Gabriel, he went to a city in the Galilee. And we learned that Galilee has to do with revealing something, but also Galilee is unique because of its connection to the Messiah. Prophetically, Isaiah says that when the light of Messiah begins to shine, it's going to shine in Galilee. And this is exactly what is taking place. That angel Gabriel goes to a city in the Galilee where he meets a young woman. A woman who is engaged or betrothed, that has significance. But she had not known a man. So the first part of that wedding ceremony, the betrothal, had taken place. As we talked about, that means that they were legally married, but the second part had not taken place. What does that mean? Joseph had not come into that intimacy with his wife yet. And it was in this in-between time, after the first part but before the second part, that she conceived by means of the Holy Spirit. And the angel made that proclamation to Miriam, or Mary as she's frequently called. And notice what happens after she hears what God is doing with her and through her. Verse 39. And Miriam, and that's literally what it says in the Greek text. And Miriam, she rose up in those days. And most Bibles will say she went or she departed. But if you look, it is in the passive, which means she was led. When she heard this proclamation about what had happened to her, and remember last week, that angel also spoke about her cousin Elizabeth, that she in her old age, this one who was barren, had also conceived. Because of that, she wanted to see the activity, the work of God, the moving of God in this situation. So she was led by this desire to witness the moving of God. And it says she was led into the hill country, notice this next part, with haste. Now that word haste, we hear that in English, and sometimes we all know the old English adage, Haste makes waste. But this word haste really has to do with diligence. She heard the proclamation and with diligence she went to investigate it. And it says with diligence into a city of Judah. Now, this is important. Why? Well, Judah is that, that land in the south around Jerusalem. And Judah has to do with a word which means to give thanks or to give praise to God. And this is a word of worship. And we see, once again, redemption relating to worship. This means this. God has redeemed you by the blood of his Son in order that you might worship God. That's why we were saved, that we might live in a worshipful manner. And we're going to see hints to that as we continue into the scripture now verse 40 
and she entered into the house of Zechariah. This is Zacharias or Zechariah, however you want to read his name. Significant name, it means God has remembered. And God remembers his promises. He remembers his servants and he moves in their life. So she entered into the house of Zechariah and he, of course, as we learned a few weeks ago, was married to Elizabeth, the cousin of Miriam. And notice it says, and she greeted Elizabeth. Miriam came into this house and she spoke directly, even though it says the house of Zachariah. What is emphasized is the woman, Elizabeth. And she greeted her, greeted Elizabeth. Verse 41. And it came about when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the child. This is a word for infant, baby. The child in her womb noticed that there was a response. That child leaped. It's a word for skip or jump. There was a response. And what we see here is that this response shows, this child moving shows how God is at work. He had told Miriam, that's Mary, that her cousin Elizabeth in her old age, that one who was barren, had conceived. And when Miriam comes to confirm this, to rejoice with this good news, notice the emphasis upon the child. That child leaps in the womb. And notice something else. Last part of verse 41. And Elizabeth, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this filling of the Holy Spirit is to inform the reader. We've learned something. The Holy Spirit, he has a purpose. When we look at Genesis 1, where we're speaking of the Spirit of God, there's a connection, according to the Word of God, between the Holy Spirit and the order of God. And there's a relationship between the order of God and, of course, the will of God. So what this is telling us with the mentioning of the Holy Spirit in Elizabeth, filling her, is that this is all about bringing God's will about, bringing his order into the world through this one, through the Messiah. And, of course, this child in Elizabeth, this one who leaped, He's the forerunner. He is going to prepare the way for what? For Messiah and for the order that Messiah is going to bring into this world. Verse 42. And this sound that went up, that's literally what it says. We might say a proclamation or calling out a great voice and said, and who's speaking? Elizabeth. She, after experienced this, she cried out in a loud, in a great voice, and she says, Blessed are you, speaking to her cousin Miriam. She says, Blessed are you, and the implication is, You, Mary, Elizabeth is speaking, Blessed are you among women, and the fruit of your womb be blessed. Verse 43. Now, in verse 43, even though, and I've been asked this question frequently, what language is the New Testament originally written in? Greek. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't have 
a, a Hebrew character to it. Why? Well, because those who were speaking were Jewish. And there's a connection between the Jewish people and the Hebrew language. But these scriptures from the New Testament, they just went for, for the Jewish people. They were for all people. And the international language at that time was Greek. So the Greek of the New Testament can have a Hebraic flavor. And what we see here, look again carefully at verse, verse 43. There's a significant word, simply the word this. And when that appears in the Hebrew language in the scripture, this word, this, it is to show emphasis, to show something which is foundational, the primary objective. And this is what this passage is dealing with. And we'll see that clearly in a moment. But look at verse 43. She's speaking and she says, and from where is this to me? Meaning, what is this thing, this important thing that is taking place to me? In order that, now notice Elizabeth is speaking and she says, the mother of my Lord should come to me. Now, it does not say the mother of God. That would be incorrect. It is the mother of my Lord. And Messiah is going to be born. Miriam is the mother of Messiah, the, the man Messiah. But we need to realize that that Messiah is not just fully man, but he's also fully God. And we know that this divinity had nothing to do with Miriam. What does the scripture teach us? And we saw this a few weeks ago. Yeshua was conceived. This incarnation took place by means of the Holy Spirit. So we have the Holy Spirit bringing about the divinity of Messiah and Messiah eternally is divine. I, I learned an expression in seminary where the professor would say concerning Yeshua, what a wonderful statement he taught me. There was never a time that Yeshua, the Messiah, there was never a time he did not exist. What does that mean? He's eternal. So he's eternal. He existed forever, meaning before the incarnation. The incarnation is simply how he became man, how he took on human flesh, how he is fully man and fully God. But here is simply speaking of his lordship, that he is the one that we're supposed to obey, that we're supposed to submit to. And this is what Elizabeth is speaking about. Now verse 44. For behold, as this voice of, of greeting, as this greeting came about, literally the sound of greeting, your greeting came about, it says, into my ears. She's going to speak and testify what happened. Leaped with joy the baby in my womb. So she is confirming, yes, I am pregnant. Yes, there's a child in my womb. And when you came and greeted me, this greeting caused him to leap, to jump, to rejoice in my womb. All of this is that confirmation that Miriam was looking for. To see how that angelic proclamation given to her 
was already at work, at work in the life of Elizabeth and also at work within the life of Miriam or what she's commonly referred to as Mary. God is at work. Verse 45. And blessed, and this is where it's very important. See, when we look at a verb, we can't see gender. So when it's third person singular, it can be he or her. But in a participle, it's more descriptive. And that's what we have here. And that's why it says, and blessed is she. You can't say the one because it's feminine. Blessed is she that believes. And what does she believe? That there will be a fulfillment of the things spoken to her from the Lord. What we have here is a confirmation. Now, because Miriam went and seen what has taken place, that her cousin, this barren woman in her old age, is now pregnant, that there's life in her womb, what happens? It says that she believes that there's going to be a fulfillment of those things that was spoken to her. Now, this doesn't mean that she didn't believe previously, but there was a confirmation. She wanted to see God at work. And this is exactly what she witnessed in this passage. Verse 46. Now, in verse 46, there's a change. Because now we are dealing with no longer the words of Elizabeth, but the words of Miriam herself. What Mary said. And what did she respond? Verse 46. And Miriam said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Notice, she is not exalting herself. She is exalting God. And we need to see what's wonderful about Mary is just that. Even though she was used mightily by God, she is a righteous woman. Doesn't mean that she is perfect and without sin. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We are all in need of his forgiveness, his mercy. And one of the things that we're going to see emphasized concerning Messiah and the words of Miriam is indeed this mercy of God that brings about that redemptive change. It was because God is merciful that we can be redeemed. Verse 46, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God the Savior. Now, here again, two things are being taught to us in this verse. Number one, that God is at work. We've seen that. The second thing is this. All of this is to bring about salvation. And again, what we're being taught is simply this. There's that, that inherent relationship between redemption and salvation redemption is a purchase it is God moving to bring about a change in ownership where we who were in the bondage of sin now become the servants of God and not just servants through that redemption we become the family of God and that gives us that victory that kingdom victory that victory over sin and the consequences of sin we're not going to live 
under the authority of sin, but we are going to behave and live through redemption that brings us into a victorious life. That's why she speaks about in God, the Savior, literally my Savior, verse 48. Because he has looked upon the humility of his servant. Now, when we look at Miriam's words concerning herself, it's just that. She is a humble woman. That's what we see, her humility and her recognition of God as authority. Once more, she says, For he has looked upon the humility of his servant, for behold, from now on, all the generations will call me blessed. Now, that's what she is. She is a recipient of the blessings of God. What is she referring to? That God is using her. Learn a very important lesson. If God uses you, and he can and he desires to, if you are humble like she is, humble like Moses was, the most humble of all individuals, God is going to use us. And what a blessing it is to be used by God. Do you believe that? Are you considering yourself blessed when you are used by God? That is how a true disciple of Yeshua, of Jesus Christ, considers himself. Well, let's move on. It says in verse, verse 47, concerning God, the salvation, Savior, and then we've seen in verse 48 how God's looked upon the humility of his maidservant. Verse 49, we're ready for that now, where it says, the, and this is the word, let's get it accurately, it's the word for the powerful one. And this word power, when we do a good study of it in the scripture, it's the power that brings about change, godly change, righteous change redemptive change victorious change verse 49 the powerful one because he has made me and it says here he has done we could say for me great things and holy is his name now everything that's in the scripture is there for a purpose and notice she says he has done for me this powerful one. He has done for me great things. And then we have holy is his name. I've said many times that there's a connection between holiness and the purpose of God. The great things that you and I long for have to be found in the purposes of God. I want to say that a little bit clearer. The things that we truly long for inwardly within our soul the real us what we really want those good things are only found in the purposes of god in other words in holy things in those things that are related to the will of god verse 50 and his mercy for generations unto generations his mercies for who the ones who fear him. So it's when we are fearing God that we are inviting mercy into our life. When we walk in pride, well, we'll see in a moment what that brings about. 
but it's humility that's being mentioned here significantly repeatedly in this passage once more his mercy unto generations of generations to the ones who fear him verse 51 power it's a different word the word strength or might strength he has made with his arm now that is that prophetic word we see isaiah using it frequently the arm of the lord and this speaks of a descendant of god the son of god and we have that word arm relates to a sacrificial portion of that arm it's related to passover so this word arm and we've spoken of it before is so important in our understanding of messiah so once again power or strength or might he has done with his arm and what else he scatters the proud ones and notice those who are are following the intent is following the imaginations of thought of their hearts meaning who follow after their own imaginations their own desires verse 52 what is he going to do he has brought down rulers from thrones and he exalts literally he has exalted the humble ones this is what we see emphasize humility over and over he has exalted the humble ones hungry ones hungry for the will of god hungry ones he is filled with good things but the wealthy ones he sends away empty verse 54. now if we're speaking about god's purposes his plan to bring about that righteous change into this world let me say it another way kingdom change into this world it's going to focus in on israel and that's why we see verse 54 a very important word to bring before it's talking about reconciliation so he brings before israel his servant and how does he do that with the remembrance of mercy so we see an emphasis on humility and mercy in this passage and god is going to be merciful to israel that's the role of messiah to give grace to act based upon the compassion of god the mercy of god he is going to use israel as he says just as he has spoken to our fathers to abraham and to his seed forever and that word forever is a kingdom word it's speaking about how god has called abraham abraham is a man of faith a man who was moved by the promises of god and now we have the fulfillment of that seed of abraham messiah to the seed of abraham the people both that term that term seed of abraham is used for messiah and for the people the followers of the faith of abraham to show unity and then what do we have last verse verse 56 and mary remain with her that is with elizabeth for about three months and then she returned to her own house and we're going to talk about next week why three months what's the significance of that and what we learn from that that can impact our life until then may god bless you shalom
from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.